It's actually kind of interesting. There's been a number of times this year when, uh, I mean, this was back last summer that we laid out what our year-long series through Matthew was going to look like, and today is, in fact, on forgiveness, um, except I'm not going to be uh, debating the college debt thing uh, that, if you haven't heard, is another um, political argument that we have happening in the world right now. It's just another round of it. Um, and so I'm not sure really how today, just to name it, <laughs> I'm not sure because you'll see some of the, the memes and stuff on Facebook and whatever. I'm not sure how this talk directly applies to that. But if the Spirit leads you into some truth, then that's great. But I'm talking about forgiveness on a deeper and wider level than that. Sound good? (laughs) All right. Um, Before I open up, um, we uh, started, was this last week, I think? Um, A series, a mini-series called uh, Honest Questions People Ask. The Bible is full of them, actually. So... uh, if you ever feel like you are not allowed to ask a hard question, then, I don't know, you're, you're not being given great biblical advice because the Bible is full of people asking hard questions. And last week, um, we uh, talked about the question of who is the greatest, and we talked about greatness and how we all kind of struggle with that idea. And Jesus brought it down to greatness being like the humility of a child, and that's what his kingdom of, of heaven will be, will be built on, which is insane that the God of the universe who created all things with a word uh, looks for humility. And that's what God is like. That's a beautiful thing. Uh, And today, we have another uh, honest question that we'll get to in a minute that revolves around, actually, I think it's already up there. Uh, How many times should I forgive? That's the question that we're going to be talking about today because one of Jesus' disciples asked that question. Um, Before I get into the text that we're going to be spending most time with, I just want to say a couple things that Jesus did did teach his disciples about some other uh, items about forgiveness before we got to this point in Matthew's account of Jesus' story. Uh, One of them was when Jesus was teaching his disciples how to pray, you know, the Lord's Prayer. Uh, There's a very key line in there, right, that says, and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Again, I'm not talking about uh, student loans here today, but Jesus, uh, from his words, have, have this idea of uh, forgiveness being a thing that feels like a debt and that we can have that forgiven between us. Uh, a little while later, he says, uh, actually a couple of verses after that, um, this is such a serious one. Uh, he says for in Matthew 6, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So he's, he's taking forgiveness very seriously. It's like, I mean, put the word grace in there, right? Grace is a great, beautiful, biblical word that it's by grace uh, through faith that we can even communicate with God and, and can have right standing relationship with God that if we receive grace but never give it, there's something wrong with that, isn't there? Something kind of gross about receiving the goodness of forgiveness or grace and, and not giving it back. Uh, Matthew 7 says, Do not judge or you'll be judged, uh, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it, it will be measured back to you. So it's just so interesting that the story in the life of Jesus came to give forgiveness and love and grace so generously. And then he's also saying, though, that it's very serious, that you, do, you don't just take that for yourself. It's intended to do something within us that then extends to the rest of the people 
around us in the world. And so it seems like the teaching uh, that Jesus gives in various parts of of his life uh, before the resurrection um, about forgiveness are a really big deal to God. And I'll I'll be honest with you, uh, you know, if you sitting on your end of of this talk. Um, it's like, oh, forgiveness, okay, that's, that might be... It's a hard thing to talk about, actually. It's a really hard thing to talk about as I anticipate what kind of stories are going to come to mind for you on your end of this conversation that we're having. And it's interesting, though, that the story that we'll look at today, Peter, uh, a, a follower of Jesus, disciple of Jesus, asks Jesus the question, how many times... Do I need to forgive uh, forgive someone? Peter asks this question later in the story after you know the verses I just shared with you. Um, so he had, he had heard some iterations of Jesus's thoughts and teachings on what forgiveness is, and he wondered how how often uh, someone is required to forgive someone. And Jesus says something very similar to the, the verses that I just read to you, the statements that I've just read to you. But he takes this idea in the story that we're going to unpack today um, deeper. Deeper in ways that I think, in one sense, will make you feel really good. And in another sense, will be really, really challenging. Because that's really what forgiveness is, right? We'll unpack that together. So, in Matthew... Uh, Chapter 18 is where we're going to be. Um, we find ourselves today, when it comes to forgiveness, asking similar questions of how much should I forgive someone? We, we've all got a situation or, or person or people in our lives where that's required, right? Or how often should I forgive somebody? Or the other side of it, like, do I really need to apologize? And what what's our motivation to even forgive in the first place. I think that this story that we're going to talk about, a parable that Jesus tells, really helps strip things back to the core of what matters most in forgiveness and really what our motivation is to want to forgive. So uh, let's read in Matthew chapter 18, starting at verse 21, and it starts with Peter's question. It says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asks, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me. Up to seven times. Then Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. And there's, uh, in Luke's uh, version of this story, he says uh, 70 times seven. Um, so Jesus is taking this number and expanding it. I'll get to that in a second. But why does, why does Peter suggest seven? Is it like seven days of the week? There's, there's a possibly some remezes, if you know what that is, that reach back to earlier versions of Scripture. But uh, a little context in the rabbinic discussion. So the spiritual leaders of that time in the Jewish context, um, the consensus was that a person can be forgiven up to three times. So yes, once, yes, twice, yes, three times, but a fourth time, no. That's it. So the fourth time that somebody offends you with Something there is no forgiveness. So Peter, the ask the asker of this question, um, you know, so often we would be asking these same questions, right? But uh, he he, in some sense, 
feels like he's a good student, going beyond what might be expected of him based on the tradition of his time. But Jesus' response, and we're going to unpack, actually the story that Jesus tells after this is going to unpack that a bit, uh, responds with like a multiplication of forgiveness. And Jesus wasn't giving us just another number but higher, right? It's not like uh, my wife can, can go, okay, 70 times 7 equals 490. So on the 491st time, no more forgiveness, right? It's, Jesus isn't instituting just a higher number. He's, he's trying to make a point here that uh, the forgiveness that comes from God as the source of it has no limits, that there shouldn't be limitations to how often and in what form that forgiveness is extended. I can hear you challenging me in your own head right now, in your own heart, because, man, we face some difficult situations, don't we? And we'll get, we'll get to some of that here in a little bit. But let's read uh, what Jesus says next. And uh, he's about to tell us um, how and why our forgiveness should, should not be limited to a certain number, but should more reflect the forgiveness and love of God. So he goes into a parable now. In verse 23, he says, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven, he describes in his stories what the kingdom of heaven is like. What's this new way that Jesus came to bring on earth. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. So picture God as the king in the story. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold, we'll unpack how much that actually, the value of that here in a minute. A man uh, who had 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. And since he was not able to pay the master, so that would be the king, same person, the master ordered that he and his wife and children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. You know, maybe that is what student loans feel like. Oh, just kidding. I'm not going to go there. Um, 26. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged. Man, you ever been there with things in your life? Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back Everything. Then the servant's master, so this king, the servant's master, took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. Simple story so far, right? But the servants had neither hope or resources to pay back this debt. So he begs with his time and promises to pay back everything. Um... But we need to do a little math here a minute because there's no way that he could. So one bag of gold is a talent, um, and that is equivalent to about 20 years' worth of wages. That's like 20 years' worth of work is one bag of gold, one talent. And this man uh, had just been forgiven 10,000 bags of gold, so 10,000 talents, which would be equivalent to roughly 200,000 years. And I don't think anybody has lived that long. Can't prove it, but nobody has lived to be 200,000 years old. So if somebody, can somebody pull out their calculator on their phone for me? Let's do a little math here, okay? Or just pretend, Alec, you're always good for it. So let's do a little math. Let's say uh, it's 40 hours a week, standard procedure. Maybe it's 32, you know, I don't know. Uh, times $12 an hour, you know, 
I don't know what minimum wage is anymore, but we're just going to say $12 per hour times 52 hours a week because they get PTO, right? So you can plan on that income for the whole year. Uh, Times 200,000 years. What What did you get? Exactly. It's this, right? Whenever you start getting, like, letters and numbers, it makes me sweat, like in those, those high school classes. What is the number doing in there? <coughs> what does that even mean? It's a number that we can't comprehend, which actually is the point, right? Oh, shoot. If you flip it, you can see it. Come on, Joey. You're so smart. Well, I'm not going to make you read how many zeros are at the end of the E. There's n- <laughs> well, what's the total then? Tell me. How much money is that, though? Oh, $4 billion. Okay. I can't afford that. I don't know how you guys are rolling. If we have any billionaires in the room, just... Okay, good. Let's get off of that. Um, the point is... This is a debt that this person could never, ever, ever pay back. And he was just forgiven that astronomical debt. And how do you get 10,000 talents of gold in debt? Who knows? That's not the point of the story. We can ask those kinds of questions, and they're interesting. And I'm sorry I just made you two go through the work of that. (laughs) But Jesus wants us to see this, that... There was a person that was forgiven a debt that he could never, ever pay. And so you would imagine in a story like that, in a a scenario like that, that when the debt is forgiven, that as this person is freed from it, that, that it would make them more generous. But you see something different happen next in verse 28. It says, when the servant went out, so when the person that was forgiven all of this Uh, astronomical debt that they could never pay back. When the servant went out, he found one of his servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. He said, pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servants fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown in prison until he could pay the debt. So a single silver coin, it says a hundred silver coins that this man was owed. A single silver coin was about a day's wage. This is a denarius, a single silver coin. So if you have a hundred silver coins, that's like a hundred days work. A little over three months, right? That's... uh, it's, I think it's interesting, the, the contrasts here, because that's actually still a pretty significant amount of money. If you do that, maybe it's a couple grand, 100 days worth of, of work. We usually don't have, see now I'm kind of applying this to us already here, but we, we usually don't have an issue um, dropping a debt that's like a, a dollar, right? Or five bucks. No big deal. I got you this time. You get me next time. Don't worry about it. But if we take, like, literally, if someone owes you five grand, that that might be a little bit different, right? You might want to make sure, depending on your scale of income, that that you get that back. 
So I think it's fascinating that Jesus juxtaposes these two things, that you have an incomparably big debt in the one hand that this man is forgiven of, and then you have one that's high but manageable. Because that's really what it kind of feels like. That's really what an issue between you and somebody else feels like. It's got a little weight to it. The dollar, five dollar ones are easy to just shrug off, but the, the ones that stick with you are just, they cost a little bit more. It weighs a little bit more. So the point thus far is that this servant had been forgiven a debt that he could never really pay. But when someone owed him something substantial but manageable, he choked the other person until they would pay. And we can obviously see the hypocrisy in this story, right? That if somebody's forgiven a debt that they could never, ever pay, why would they have such merciless, um, a merciless posture towards somebody else who owes them far less? How can someone who is forgiven so much be so brutal to someone who has so much of a smaller debt? And that's Jesus's point here. It's interesting, though, that the in the next verses that the other servants... Uh, around him observed that hypocrisy too and saw this happen and they took issue. Verse 31 says, when the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged. They knew how much he was forgiven of. They were outraged and they went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servants in and said, you wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. This sentence right here. Shouldn't you have been, shouldn't you have had more mercy on your fellow servant just as I had had on you? Like you got to slow down in that sentence on verse 33 before we get to 34. Like feel the weight of that. Shouldn't you have had as much mercy as you possibly can on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And before, I guess before I read this next verse, I just want to say, I don't know that our motivation to forgive should be out of fear. I'll just say that much. A guilt-driven faith is a very difficult one to maintain. A gratitude-centered faith for the debt that Jesus has paid is very healthy, very beautiful. So keep that in mind as I read this next sentence. In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each one of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. It's hard. That last verse is pretty straightforward. It's a lot like the other teachings that Jesus said earlier. But 
Oh, forgiveness is hard. But we all know that we have two choices when it comes to forgiveness, right? And only one of them leads to something good. Number one, you can choose to not forgive. But that causes suffering. It's the paradox. Suffering with the possibility of no healing. And Jesus warns that that that's a big deal to God when we only receive, as I started this talk, we only absorb forgiveness and receive God's goodness and, and never distribute that to people who might need it from us. It's the, it's the classic example of what you've probably heard. For unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Classic example. Maybe a little cliche by now, but still holds a lot of truth to it, doesn't it? That there's something that harboring unforgiveness within yourself does within us that that doesn't hurt the other person. And even if it did, what's that called? Vengeance? Or the second way, you, you can choose another also painful path of forgiveness and mercy, which Jesus is suggesting is the Jesus way. It's the only way that healing for anybody is actually possible. Meaning forgiveness is hard, but actually unforgiveness turns out to be even more difficult and more destructive. You don't even need to hear me say it. You know it. You've felt it. Either it was not extended to you and that hurts, or there's a cycle in your mind and in your heart that just keeps looping and looping and looping. Why did they do that? I can never forgive that. Why did they do that? I can never forgive that. Unforgiveness turns out to do even more damage to your own soul than anyone else. But let me be clear. Let me be clear. Forgiveness does not have to mean trust. You don't have to trust somebody you forgive. I don't think that's required. You might find that you trust somebody more eventually, but that doesn't mean you have to trust somebody automatically because you choose to forgive them. Forgiveness does not have to mean access to your life. Certainly access to your life to the degrees that you've had before you might have been hurt. And forgiveness does not mean what they did is okay. But forgiveness is like releasing a, a spiritual debt. Releasing it to God that other people have caused against us. That's hard. That's so hard. If we can 
find the strength to do it. And it's hard because people do hurt people. And you, you've probably got that story in your head right now. And I'm not standing up here telling you that any of that's okay. But it turns out that each of us is deeply indebted to God in ways that we, we can't calculate. And the only way to move forward in a healthy way, I think, is actually to, to compare the two. <laughs> it turns out we're all in need of our own forgiveness all the way up to the, to the top, all the way up to God. And I do want to just say that, I mean, we're talking about forgiveness today, but um, learning how to apologize is equally as important as learning how to forgive, right? Um, I've been on a long weekend vacation uh, this weekend. Um, some of you might have seen on my Facebook, my daughter lifted up a snake. <laughs> and I'm like, she's more brave than I am, and she's only two. Um, but we've been having a good time up there. We've been staying with our brother and sister-in-law. they got three kids. So there's five kids, four years old or under, um, which has got, like, beautiful moments. And then it's got, like, forgiveness training moments. <laughs> because I think it's kind of like when you got young kids that age, like, pretty much... Vacation is just forgiveness training <laughs> the whole time. And as a dad of, of two kids, you know, I remember my mom and dad used to do this to me when I was a kid. I hated it so much. Um, particularly my mom would, whenever there was an issue between me and one of my siblings, she'd make us look each other in the face. Even if I'm doing this, she's like, no, look at your brother or sister in the face. And we would have to apologize. And we would also have to forgive. We have to do both of those. And we have to learn it when we're young. We have to get those muscles built. Because they need to be developed. And it turns out learning and apologizing are really like two sides of the same coin, aren't they? You can't really have one without the other. So my kids are learning how to look into each other's eyes, as painful as that is, and say... I'm sorry, and to learn how to forgive. I don't know what the adult version of that is. But maybe if you're struggling with forgiveness, maybe there's something that you need to apologize for to somebody different and start there. I do want to advise to all of us though if if you so if this talk is is triggering things within you that you've done that um, you might feel like you're on the apologizing end of it and I can think of a handful of things in my life where like I really want to apologize to that person and I've even talked with people about it and wondered if it would be worth finding them in order to do it but they also advise me that it might be worse if I seek them out to bring this thing back up. You tracking with me? 
So I, I would say, even if you're feeling like, oh, I, I need to forgive, if you're on that end of it today, that you should seek some wisdom by a friend or a mentor or your therapist or whoever it is about how to go about that apology. I'm nuancing this a little bit because we've all got complicated, messy stories. And it'd be easy for me to stand up here and go, you need to find that person and just tell them sorry. Talk to somebody about a appropriate way to apologize. You might start by talking to God about it and then pulling in somebody you trust. It could be an apology from a distance. So if you need to apologize, invite somebody else into the situation to know how to discern it. But let me close here with some powerful words that Peter wrote. Um, I love being able to read the stories of Peter in these, in these stories and then read what he wrote theologically later in a, a letter that he wrote um, in First Peter years later after he had lots of time to reflect on the entire story of Jesus. What Peter says here, as I'll show, I think, for followers of Jesus, um, for me, serves as kind of like the ultimate motivation for forgiveness. He says this about Jesus. When they hurled insults, when they hurled their, their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, I'll read this slowly. He entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He bore, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. By his wounds, you have been healed. I pray that over your soul right now, listener. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you, we all, were like sheep going astray, but you have returned to the shepherd, the overseer of your souls. So, friends struggled with how to land this today because I don't, you might be leaving with some tension that I don't know if I'm supposed to try and relieve for you. Heck, I'm leaving with some. But here's my challenge to each of us in our opportunities to forgive and trust yourself to him who judges justly. If somebody did something to you that can never be undone, and trust yourself to him who judges justly. Leave room for God's, which calls it wrath, but leave room for God's justice. And even more so, entrust yourself to the overseer of your soul. God is attentive to how you feel. God is attentive to the brokenness. God can mend that broken wing. What does that mean? That means that trust... That means to trust God even more than we might trust the good reasons for unforgiveness. I, I don't mean good reasons sarcastically. 
trust God even more than the good reasons you might have for the unforgiveness that you have? And how do we demonstrate trust in God when someone hurts us? We forgive. As Jesus hung on the cross, one of the very last things he said is, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. Holy moly. You don't have to minimize your pain. It matters and it's real. But you can release the debt. You don't have to trust that person. You don't have to forget what they did. That would be foolish, actually. And you don't even, if it's an extreme scenario, you don't even have to let them back into your life. But you do and we do, according to Jesus, need to forgive Because the reality is there was a debt over each one of our heads that I believe the master, the king, the savior, the overseer of our souls has released. And so for me, I have a hard time remembering anybody that I have a grudge against. Even though if I thought hard enough, I probably could. But those are coins And Jesus forgave me of bags. (laughs) So entrust yourself to him who judges justly and entrust yourself to the overseer of your soul. It's only by the pain that Jesus endured, forgiving even those who who were taking his life as he offered it and brought back into reconciliation and salvation. Jesus forgave the people who were killing him unjustly as they did it. So he knows a whole lot about forgiveness. And Peter, the one who wrote about it later, said, by his stripes, by the evidence of his suffering, for our forgiveness, we are healed. And trust yourself to the overseer of your soul as you wrestle with what to do with those feelings. Let's pray. Well, there it is, Lord. I mean, I don't know if I have anything more to pray or say than what's already been spoken. I pray that you will do your work now. I pray that healing might begin now. I pray that something is released in the souls of my friends that have been listening today. That we will surrender our will to you even though the pain is so great with the situations that we are in that require forgiveness but you've been merciful not in the past but today not just because of a big bad thing we did in the past but today
You are the sustainer of our lives. You've chosen to give us breath again. For many many of us, as we even think of the things we said last night or this morning that we're so ashamed of, if you're telling us to forgive 70 times 7, Lord, that that only must mean that that's in your nature. So I pray that people in here who might feel guilty will offer that um, repentance to you to bring it to your feet because you are the great healer. Do your work now, Lord. Amen.